0: The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.
1: Welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week we speak to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate the fact that you take time to listen to these episodes. Hopefully you enjoy them. The fact that you keep coming back and keep spreading the word implies that you do, and I'm very grateful for that. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here for you again today. Now, in today's show, we've got a very special episode. I am joined by Keith Woody Woodward, who has joined me to talk about a particular topic, and that is his prostate cancer and how he has dealt with that. Now, it is a bit of a sensitive episode. It is a bit different to what I normally talk about. So if this is something that you may find triggers you, potentially give this one a miss but it is an important episode you know we tried to get a, a specific message across uh, we tried to talk about how we found out how it impacted him initially and, and kind of the real positive and inspiring outlook he now has on it uh, which I was just mightily impressed by throughout the entire episode. So I really hope that you you enjoy this. I hope that you find it beneficial. And I hope that if you're anything like me, you come away from listening to it thinking, hmm, Maybe I need to keep an eye on myself a little bit, but before we dive into today, I want to just throw a couple of things at you. First of all, I'd love it if you took the opportunity to go and check out my website. Now that is www.theinstructorpodcast.com. Over there, I'm trying to grow more of a resource bank, so you will find all the previous episodes of this show over there. As well as that, you'll find my collections of episodes, so there's one on Mindset and there is one uh, that I've tailored for PDIs or people are fairly new to the industry where they can go and get some episodes that are really suitable for them. There's also my blogs which aren't as regular as I'd like them to be you know time etc but there are my blogs over there you'll find recommendations all that sort of stuff and you'll also find one of the things I'm, I'm most happy with it at the moment which is my feed so if you go and check the feed page you will see the last 10 items roughly that i have released now that could be a podcast it could be my premium stuff it could even be the facebook lives that i do so you can find the feed and just click on the link to go on straight to that episode the last 10 that i've done uh, try and keep you up to date with all the stuff that I'm releasing and then the last one I'll mention there is the premium content so if you go to the instructorpodcast.com and click on the premium page you can see all the pre the fun premium stuff we've got going on over there as well and sign up for that. Also, on today's episode, I am starting a new feature. At the end of the episode, I will be delivering Terry's tips. Now, the first one will be on, obviously on the episode, but every episode, I'm going to be releasing Terry's tips at the end. Now, that could be a tip around uh, marketing or your driving school business or coaching, or it could be a recommendation of a book or a YouTube channel or anything like that. But at the end of every episode, I'm going to be doing Terry's tips. So make sure you stick about to the end to so Catch on for that, that two-minute bonus at the end of the show. But that's enough for that. Let's dive into the meat of what you've come for today, and uh, we'll go and listen to the episode with Woody. So this week on The Instructor Podcast, I am joined by Keith Woodward, who has asked me to call him Woody for this episode, and I'll probably forget, but either way, we'll go with that. How are we doing, Keith? How are we doing Woody, yeah. even? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine. Thanks, Terry. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. yeah, Good very stuff. Good. Now, the first question I like to ask people when they come on the show is, what do you consider yourself? Because every week I speak to leaders, innovators, experts and game changers. Which category or categories do you think <laughs> you fall into? Um, All of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's one for you. I don't know, really. It's, it's quite a difficult question. I, I, I suppose... Uh, in this respect, I want to lead people. Say, I suppose a leader in in terms of uh, putting a message across. I think a very very important message, um, Terry. So uh, I'm going to go for that.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout. And and, and that particular message, which we'll we'll come on to shortly. Um, you actually got in touch and 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 asked to come on to speak about this. And and it's something we're going to be diving into but before we uh, we we head over to that. I'm just going to ask us to. Um, Tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do.
0: Okay. Um, well, Terry, I'm an A.D.I. I, I teach a, a specific uh, brand of um, driving instruction. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a blue light response um, instructor uh, teaching the ambulance service. So I teach um, both private and NHS, which means uh, they, they do a four-week course, um, and we, we we basically take their driving from the very beginning, turn it inside out and upside down and uh, and produce these lovely, fabulous um, blue light drivers that you see on the road today. Cool. Uh,
1: and I'm definitely going to look forward to speaking to you about that a little bit later on in the episode because it is something that fascinates me. Um, and I've got a few specific questions and points I want to pick up, but... Brilliant. That's not the biggest thing we've come in to talk about today because uh, you got in touch and you uh, basically told me about your experience in that you have uh, prostate cancer yeah. and uh, you wanted to come on and, and talk a little bit about that and, and get the message out there about how we can be dealing with it and being better prepared, but we'll come into that. So I think the first thing I want to ask you around that is, in fact, the first thing I want to ask you is how are you? How are you? doing? De- how was? How are you? Yeah. Um,
0: i'm surprisingly really well I've, I've only just gone back to work after uh six nearly seven months off which is the longest i've ever had since i've been an adult and um i i'm doing really well i'm, I'm really you know living life as as normal as, as as i can possibly do in the you know in the circumstances so really my life is 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 uh i'm still teaching blue lights in fact you know and i've even I found a new passion for that because of the illness, in a way. And I'm living life, um, I think, in a more fuller way than I was before, funny enough. Um, and then just the, 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 you know, dealing with the, the cancer um, is a side effect now. I try not to make it the, the main thing because I think, have I you know, if I was doing that, then, um, then I perhaps wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now again, which is important.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, because we'll, we'll come on to your blogs a little bit later in the episode, but I was kind of saying to you before we started recording today that I just find them really uplifting. Uh, they don't always they maybe start off on on something that you've struggled with and they end up on this sort of positive high note a lot of the time. And I find them very, yeah, uplifting and inspiring. But before we come on to that, let's let's kind of, let's go back to the start. I know you're keen to tell us um, sort of how how this happened and how you found out.
0: Yeah, I think, I th- I think um, let's just go back, say, uh, about eight or nine months ago, last um, last spring, when it first started, as an ambulance instructor, you know, doing my job normally, I started to to notice that um, two things I noticed. I noticed uh, I was starting to get some pain in my lower back, which, uh, first of all, I just attributed to the ambulance I was teaching in, so because I'd actually been teaching in the same ambulance for uh, several courses. And I just thought, oh, this, this, this ambulance is giving me, um, you know, real real pain. And then I started to notice um, a little bit of, of bladder change, the way I was weeing, if you don't mind me kind of being blunt about it. It was, uh, it was taking me a little bit longer to wee than normal. And I never really, never really took any notice of that. You know, I just thought, yeah, that must be, uh, you know, something. It didn't even cross my mind. I didn't even notice it until it got worse and worse. The, the pain from the back uh just gradually increased and it started to to kind of shoot down my my right side and you know through my head and in my leg uh to the point where i i was it it was agony you know so i was working and uh taking painkillers and um and i was just getting to the point where you know it, it was almost impossible to do the job i remember i was I was on a job up in Warrington for, um, for a private NHS contracted company um, and I was driving up there at the weekend and it, one drive took me seven hours and uh, I was almost in tears all the way up there, you know, just that the pain was so bad. I'd already at this stage been diagnosed with sciatica by a doctor but due to due to COVID, it was just a quick checkup. up. I, no, I had no test at all about anything, it was just a a bit of a blunt checkup at the, um, at the surgery. Um, he said, everything seems okay. And he just put it down to sciatica. I carried on. And then what, and then I had a, I suppose, um, I don't know how to, how to, how to put this really. I, I, it was a stroke of luck that, that didn't seem luck at the time. I had a little slip on the, on my stairs, uh, missed the bottom stack. And I hadn't been drinking by the way. And I just, uh, yeah, it was, it, it, the pain shot through my back and it, and um, the next day I was in AD because the pain was increasing. And they decided to do, uh, after, after some hours they decided that I needed some scans so I had an MRI scan that week. They sent me home. I was back in, in again the following week and this time they asked me to do some blood tests. Kept me overnight again because I was in so much pain. And when the MRI results came back, they have discovered that I've got cancer, but they, that 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 time I didn't know. So I had a, um, which is really important about this 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 talk is I had a a blood test, which is checking for PSA levels, and that's um, it, it, it's something like prostate cancer antigen, and this is this levels that this this um, it measures the level of PSA in your blood. So if you've got a high level, there's a high chance that you've got prostate cancer. Uh, I didn't even know I was actually having that test. I just knew I was having blood tests. It was just one of many. I was walking around the car park in the hospital, really in days, because I, I, I was, again, in so much pain, but there was no answer to it. So I was starting to get very depressed about it. I got a phone call asking me to come back in. You know, I said, are you still in the hospital? I said, yeah. Um, Do you mind coming back in? We need to talk to you about your scan and, and, and something. I was met by two uh, lovely nurses, took me into a little room, and even at that point, I didn't even realise that they, they you know, one had their arm around my shoulder. one was talking to me about we're not happy with the scan results and we need to do some more checks. Um, a couple of hours later, I'm on a I'm on a gurney being uh, wheeled into uh, the Macmillan Ward, the cancer ward. That's the first time it hit me. So I suppose that the thing I'm trying to get across here is you know. That these pains started months before I ended up in the hospital.
1: And I think that's important, um, Terry. No, I think um, it's not something you'd associate, is it? You know, like say that back pain or a hip pain, you wouldn't necessarily associate that with, with with what it turned out to be. But so I think it's, I don't know, I think it would be important for anyone to, to investigate this stuff. I mean, we. We're blokes, you know what the blokes yeah. do? You know, we get a pain, we'll work through it, you know, we'll it'll we'll be better yeah. tomorrow, sort of thing. And like you said, it was um it didn't feel like it at the time, but a stroke of luck, you, you slipped on the stairs because you may not have found out. So how how was it after that? So well, obviously, say so you found out and then you've gone home. How how was it then? Can
0: I go back if
1: I could go back to that, that stroke of luck? This is where.
0: My doctor said to me, it's like a, it was almost a, um, a miracle that you had that slip because if you hadn't come into the hospital at that point, um, we wouldn't have discovered what was going wrong with your back. What, what had happened is the cancer had gone from my prostate into my, into my spine and my spine was on the verge of collapse. So had I not gone into hospital, had I gone back out working, he said for sure I would have been. Uh, you know, one bump on my my back, and it would have been paralysed for the rest. There would have been no return. Um, that 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 was a you know a hundred percent confirmed. They said because of it, the, the cancer had done so much damage, and that's why I was getting so much pain. Um, so in his words, um, at that at that point, he was saying, you know, you had a miracle because we would not have discovered this and would have been treating you for pros- uh, for um, for sciatica. Um, so yeah. You know, I, I was extremely lucky uh, falling on my arse there, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: yeah, so you know. how how did you deal with that initially? Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be
0: totally honest. Um, when I got wheeled into the, I looked up and I saw the sign that said cancer ward. I think I was in denial for um, for a while. I had uh, radiation therapy straight away. Uh, steroids, you know, all these things. It, everything went in a blur, and um, you know, one thing I can say is that the NHS were were truly incredible. You know, they, they 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 did everything they could very very fast. So for me, I didn't have time to to take it all in, and it took maybe two months for me to realise that it was at stage four, uh, which is advanced. That hit me. Because I suppose before that I'd been burying my head in the sand, trying not to look at anything. Uh, my wife instantly knew because she she had already looked everything up. She's like that. My mother-in-law knew. My sister knew. Um, and I was kind of walking around thinking it's all it's early stage because they called it really early, uh, and that's what I truly believe. Um, and then I I got a a nice little leaflet from Prostate Cancer UK in it. I just opened it up. I, had, I probably had it for about two weeks before I opened it, and um, there was a little table there that basically de- sort of determines what level you are and, and so on. And I saw, um, I think it's called metastasized. Uh, it, it means it's gone into the bones. Um, that level is is high They don't like to call it level four anymore. Stage four, um, and that's what it is. Um, so when I found that out, it was a it was a bit of a shock um but i suppose deep down i probably knew it in in my mind i was just covering it up and the blog was helping me because i was writing i think if you go back to my blogs they were very i was writing things in a more of a comical way um to try and cover it up
1: yeah i was yeah i was going to ask because as i speak to you now and as i've spoken to you previously you you seem quite—I uh, don't know if positive is necessarily the right word, but that's what I'm going to use. You seem quite positive and upbeat a lot of the time. So, what what was it that, that brought that shift from that? Was it was it writing the blog that brought that shift from that initial, like you say, the the, the downness of it, and to, to where you are now?
0: I think I'm, I think I've been a positive person for a while. I used to—I don't know if you're aware—but I used to uh, run courses on. Uh, teaching people how to calm their mind um so I went all over the country doing that so I think I dipped into what I was teaching and became even more positive because I realized you know I'm the guy here that knows an awful lot about the mind I've read a lot about it I've studied a lot I've been on courses about the mind and I understand perfectly how the mind works and I was going to use that you know initially that was my plan was right okay Let's see if this stuff really does work, and um, and, I, and obviously it does. So the positivity has been um, has been the key thing, you know. Even if I've not felt positive, sometimes I have, I've had to pretend to be positive. Um, and what I found is the more that you pretend to be positive, the more positive you actually become. Um, so the more you sort of believe in something, the truer it becomes.
1: I think that's, that's really important. There's, there's a lot of um, naysayers out there that will talk about the, you know, mindset and attitude and that kind of stuff being, you know, uh, what word am I voodoo, or, um, you know, uh, what was the word, being a snake oil salesman by trying to promote this stuff. Yeah. But you'll never know when you'll need it. And I think that's a prime example that you've you've, you know, worked with this stuff for years for other people. And then you know, something's happened to you, and you've been able to reflect it on yourself. But you mentioned the um, the blog there as well, which is. um, Do you want to tell us a bit about your blog about how you started it, why you started it, and and sort of where it's at now?
0: Yeah, um, I've always. I I used to do a blog years ago, just a comedy blog, Um, and that 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 had quite a few followers. But it was outside of more outside of the ADI world. It was like I was um, writing about a different world, just just purely slapstick comedy and um while i was sitting in the hospital there's there's not a lot you can do except for watch netflix which i, I mean that's something that that was really good um there's something you can actually watch on a phone or a tablet um but there were times at night where there was a lot of nights where i weren't sleeping and um i, I would just pick my phone up and start typing on uh i got a little wordpress blog blogger um I start typing away and then I started to realise that actually this is really good. I'm writing my feelings down. And there were feelings um you know as they were happening, and um so they were really true. And um I then took the the, the step to publish the blog because I hadn't published it for till I came out of hospital for a good month or so. So I'd been writing it, but then I hadn't published it and I published it onto um just onto my facebook group which um which, which is called calming the anxious mind so it's just a, a you know just a, a private group um and um people started to tell me that it was really helping them and I wasn't going to publish it outside the group and then I had a chat with my wife about this because she didn't want me to publish it all over facebook um and then she said to me you know it's helping people in this group and and so on then we're happy. Everyone in the family knows about it now. You know, you got my blessing to do to do what you like. You know, and um, I published it on LinkedIn and then on uh, on, on Facebook, and um, it it's been received really, really well. And I think the first case was it was really, really helping me. And I thought, well, if it's helping me and I'm going through this, then there's a chance it might help one person out there, um, and that one person has been in touch with me straight away was, was someone, you know, who who, who who talks to me and, you and, uh, know, we now can't, you know, chat quite regularly, who has someone in his family who's in the same situation. Um, and I realised there's more to it, you know, that, that, that I went on a lot of cancer forums and there's, there's so much negativity. I went on the Macmillan forums, it's just full of negativity. And I needed to change that. I wanted to change that. You know, I know one, one man can't change everything, but I just thought there's a chance here that I can make a difference. And that's it. While I'm still around, you know, uh, I want to do the most I can.
1: Yeah. I think um, I think it is making a difference. I mean, you were telling me previously about some of the, the positive feedback you had from, it from all over the world, which is amazing. But, yeah. I mean, even for me, I... I started since we've been in touch i've started reading it and i find it uplifting and inspiring so you know even for someone like me i think that it is brilliant um and you, i think you said you found that that helped you initially as well it was therapeutic field yes yeah yeah 100 percent
0: um it was just getting that you see the thing is everything was bottled up and um all of a sudden i started to find a, a way of releasing that because there's no doubt about it. When when you first find out, and I, I I know, you know, cancer is a is a is a voodoo word, and you know, no one wants to talk about cancer. But let's face it, guys, it's you know, one in eight guys is going to get this uh, prostate cancer, and one in four black guys is going to get it. You know, it's horrendous, really, and so we need to kind of face up to it and talk about it because you know, cancer is a bad word, and for me. Uh, particularly I watched my father-in-law uh, die of cancer you know, very, you know, a couple of years ago, which affected me quite a lot. Uh, and I was terrified of it, absolutely terrified of it. And I know there are different types of cancers and he died of a different kind of cancer, which was particularly nasty. Um, but besides that, I just thought these thoughts that are bottled out, I can get them out onto paper with the hope that not only are they helping me, but they will perhaps help someone else that, that may be starting this, this journey. The, you know, the blog will always be there come what may. You know, no matter what happens to me, that blog will stay there and, and and anyone in the world who starts this journey has got access to it. You know, that's my That's the plan. You know, there's nothing to be profited from it. It's all about trying to, you know, help someone else.
1: I think you're doing a grand thing. Um the I, I do want to touch on one thing you said there actually about the the word um because it's interesting that even as I'm talking I'm reluctant to say the word. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what the I'll say the word cancer I feel if, I, yeah. I I think I'm interested to go back and listen to this episode again and see how how long I delay saying it. <laughs> um but what where do you think that that comes from, that, that fear, that concern of, of, of not obviously the, the thing itself, but the, the actual word. There's a, there's a certain uh, stigma that's attached
0: to the word cancer that that, um, that everyone I, I, I'm thinking relates it to death, um, uh, because unfortunately that's what it does in a lot of cases. But a lot of cases it doesn't. There's, a, there's an awful lot of... Uh, research, medication that's going on and various types of cancers now are, you know, they, it's not the same as it was even five, ten years ago. There's a lot of good stuff going on. People are afraid, trying to talk about it. I think I think actually this is really interesting, Terry, because when I first um, was diagnosed, when I came out of hospital, I had a lot of people that came around my house Um. And my colleagues as well. Um, you know, I work for a company that that employs a number of ADIs in the blue light industry, um, and and we talk on the phone, and you could you could definitely think that they didn't want to hear about cancer. <laughs> so you know, if, if one of my mates came around and sat with me, I would just the, the first time they come round, I would just go, "Let's get it out. way. I've got cancer." Uh, yes, it's a it's a bit of a pisser, you know. Uh, but let's just get it away it's, it's what it is um, I've got cancer I'm going to do my best to fight this cancer um, and that's it how's, your do- how's the football game? you know that was it we would we would we would not dwell on it but I know that there's definitely people that were too uh, they told me they were too scared to come and see me uh, and when they did they were really surprised at, at the fact that I was just a normal guy and um, talking about football and uh, you know stuff that guys talk about. And and that's what I, you know, even my neighbour, um, I've got two neighbors either side and one really delayed talking about this. And he's he's actually a part of the NHS and he just did not want to sit down and talk with me. And when he did, he just he sat with me for an hour and a half. Um unfortunately he's moved <laughs> since then. I don't know whether in fact both sides have moved. So I don't know can do that Terry. Um, you know but just to say that, that that cancer's cancer is what it is and you just got to get on with your life if you can and i've been blessed no doubt that i i can get on with my life because i know you know damn well that there's a there's a lot of people out there that have cancer that, that, that can't get on with their life you know so in that way i'm truly grateful but everyone can look out the window and sit, you know, and and or everyone can close their eyes and go into an imaginary world, which is what I quite often write about in my blogs about my imagination and my my universe that I quite frequently mention. And so I tr- I'm trying not to make it a t- you know taboo word. My I have two young daughters; they both know about it, and once they found out, my wife sat down and talked to me about it while I was in hospital because at that point, no one knew how you know where I was going um and we don't even we don't really mention it we don't mention it at all we just live life we, we, we just live life as it should be you know there's more love in my life now because of it and in some ways it, it's done me it's done me some good things as well there's some good things that have come out of it so the negativity that is attached to cancer is so so powerful but I think every single person that's got, that that has cancer, they will find some positives if they look for them and, you know, find it's not as bad as they perhaps thought, you know, or think it's going to be.
1: Every now and again, doing these episodes, someone will say something that just resonates or just clicks. It's that you just said there's more love in my life now. And that's like, I mean, what a way to look at it, but yeah. but you did say coming on uh, to the show that you wanted to, to get a message across. So what, what, what message would you want to give to anyone that is maybe they've got a concern about weight or um, they get into a certain age and perhaps do a checkup and delaying it? And as I said, it kind of joking at the start, but it's true. And and you know, I'd say, but men are worse than women. You know, we've got an issue somewhere, and you know, it'll be right tomorrow. What, yeah. what would you say there? Well, Terry. Um,
0: That if you're sort of, I don't want to frighten people, that's the thing I don't want to do. I don't want to frighten anyone um, because it is quite frightening. But if you're a a guy um, or if you're a, you know, if you're a woman who knows a guy, I think that's also important. You know, there's plenty of women out there that that are partners and they can also influence this. Um, But if you're in your the 50s onwards I mean, and and people have even told me this has affected people in their 40s you know so this is just a but I, i'm talking about it affects people around their 70s you know around their mid-70s um that's the average but there are quite a few anomalies, and i'm one of those uh this is which is growing and there's no doubt about this so, you know this this is this is growing and it's going to be a big problem um but if you're in your early 50s i don't think you even need to actually have symptoms to get a test you can just you can just get a test online now um one of my friends has just done it he just uh, i think it costs about 30 quid and it's just a fingerprint test that you send off and at least it gives you a, 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 a you know an inkling whether you know if you come back with a high level of psa then there's a very good chance, well, it's not a good chance, but it's a a high risk that you have prostate cancer. You know, like I say, I never knew any of this stuff. If if I'd have known this going back eight, nine months ago, I'm I'm still quite amazed that when I had the checkup that I never had a PSA test. Um, And again, I know other people that this has happened with, that the doctors, for some reason, have not seen fit to do a PSA test. Um, But I'm not going to use this to have a go at doctors because i just aren't i'm just not in that way and i don't believe that so i think that you know guys you know guys since i know, there's a lot of instructors out there that will listen to this podcast you know just go along and get a test just the you know, only your early 50s is is nothing yeah you know, if, if you haven't got it it doesn't matter but you you pay 30 quid out for a test or go and see your doctor um But for sure, if you've got any symptoms of sudden pain in your back that's transferring into your hips and leg, things like that, 100% then bang that door down on your doctor's surgery because you need to get a test. Um, And there's a good chance that you can stop it getting to the stage where mine is, you know, And, and that's the important thing. Mine, had it been picked up three or four months earlier, we don't know. No one knows. It could have been there for years and it's just been there. But there is a good chance that you catch it early that um, that it can be treated really easily, you know, and, and I don't say that lightly. It can be treated much more easily than, than what I'm going through now. Um, and that's the message really.
1: I think I want to ask you kind of one more message around that, if you like, because you spoke yeah. before about the way people were with you after your diagnosis. So what, what would you suggest to to friends and family of someone that's been diagnosed with cancer how i know it's gonna be different for everyone but would you have a a message for them how to be
0: yeah because i think this is really important actually and and most most likely for anyone that is unfortunately diagnosed with cancer of any time that their partners have to treat them like they're a human being because it's really easy to you know to go down to the route that, that I, because we did have a few problems with this, with with, with my wife and I, I, didn't, I won't go into it in detail, but they don't know how to handle it. Um, and they will handle things their own way, but they've just got to, you're still a human being, um, above everything, you're not just a cancer patient. Um, and, and also friends, you know, the most uplifting thing for me was the number of people that suddenly started to appear at my doorstep you know ambulance staff that i that i trained would suddenly appear at my doorstep at any time of the, the day you know when there'd be an ambulance house i think people around here think i'm really <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm really needy of the ambulance but they would just be coming in with with stuff for me you know um and and no, I think that's the main thing, treat, treat us as human beings. You know, we've we got cancer, so what? We're still living, we're still going to get on with it. Um, And I think that helps everything. I think that helps everything. I mean, what happens is, if you don't do that, the person then becomes a slave to cancer, which is so easy to do because then everything in your life is revolving around cancer. Um, So you're treading on these little cancerous eggshells all the time. Uh we, we had a nice chat and and they know basically everything is just we just treat life as normal. Um and when I when I can't deal with things I get tired um more easier Terry than I used to. Then I just go and have a lie down and then I'll come back again. You know? Um and I think you, you just can't I think a couple of days ago I, I didn't feel like getting out of bed because I'd done some walking the day before and um I just thought to myself, I was laying there and thought, Do you know what, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna get up and go for a little walk. Uh, it, ended, <laughs> it ended up I did something like eight and a half kilometres. I went up to these woods that I did a little uh, video vlog while I was up there. Um, or I could have stayed in bed, you know. Um, I think we've just got to treat life, take all the positives out of it that you can. But your close friends, your family, your colleagues, just got to treat you normally. Um, I think that's really, really important.
1: And you mentioned there again about the uh, looking for positives where you kind uh, of, one of the positives uh, so we are going to mention was talking uh, about the, the Monopoly Ball Challenge. So yeah. you're now finding ways to to actually raise money for this. So do you want to tell us a bit about the Monopoly Ball Challenge?
0: Yeah, I want to talk to, can I, if I can, go back to another challenge I did, which yep. was back in November, and then I'll lead on to it. Because, I, because one of the things I was doing is, I was sitting at home, uh, not knowing where my future was going, not knowing what to do, and and not really knowing how to deal with stuff, um, and trying to think of something to do that would make it, it would that would help both me and other people. And it's really strange because as I was thinking about that, a little advert flashed up on my phone for um, the Samaritans to uh, walk or jog jogging in november it was called and as i believe so much in this universal uh thing about you know when you start thinking about things they do come to you there is there's no doubt in my mind about this um i rang them up and said is it okay if i walk it because it, it was a running challenge and they said yeah sure you can do whatever you want you can walk it you can you can bike it you can get in a wheelchair." Um, and they sent me a, a, a t shirt and they sent me a book that this form. And I thought, my God, this is how easy it is. I can now uh, go for a walk, have to do a kilometre a day, which is nothing. Well, it's nothing to most people, but you know, at that point I've got two tumors in my butt well, I still have, but two tumors in my back. Um and a kilometer a day at that time seemed like quite a quite a challenge. But I went out and did it, I raised over a thousand pounds which i found incredible because it, it, it just sort of made me think that i've put the odd 50p and the pound in the in the charity box at events and things that you see i've just put a thousand pound in there for just getting off my backside um, and just going for a walk outside the door <laughs> i worked out a walking around my estate Every day was the equivalent of doing the third. I think it was thirty kilometers in a month. They wanted you to do. Um, I really, I really got motivated by doing that, and then I signed up to Prostate UK's uh, run the month of January. So it was a marathon, but you had to do it over the the whole month. And I raised another fifteen hundred pounds thanks to all the the ADIs mostly um, that contributed to that and to the Samaritans. And I suddenly realised that there is a per- If you've got a purpose to do something, then then you can do anything. You know, you can start doing anything. And then um, um, my friend Graham Hooper, he's well known in the AGI um, world from tri coaching. Uh, every year, every year he does something for prostate cancer. I know he's lost a couple of very close uh, friends to it. He's been a friend of mine for a number of years, and I don't, I don't intend to be that <laughs> on that list. Um, but asked me if, uh, if it would be okay to put my name to this this challenge. And, uh, of course, I was really honoured and really grateful. And, again, it's given me another um, bit of motivation to get up, um, you know, and start walking again. Um, so on the 30th of April, we're going to walk the Monopoly board around London, which is around... Um, 22 kilometers Um, and it covers all the main points on the monopoly board so i'm starting to ask people now you know to donate to that um and i'll be honest with you terry am i going to walk 22 kilometers i don't know if, if it's possible um but i've got this thing about nothing is impossible it's just what happens on the day so I will certainly be there at the beginning, and I'll most certainly be there for the end of it. Um, and we're inviting people to come along as well. If anyone else wants to join in, they can join in with the walk. They can also um, join in with our team and and um, um, and start raising funds themselves. Um, you know, and it, it's going to be a good, fun walk for a really really good purpose. It's going to give me a purpose to train again, to start walking. Um, and every penny goes to Prostate Cancer UK is the research. And I'm benefiting right now from their research because the drugs that I'm on, um, you know, let's not beat about the bush. These drugs are keeping me alive. Um, and, 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 and over, you know, they are getting better and better, these drugs. They are increasing the lifespan of someone like me, which wouldn't have happened before. I wouldn't have got through Christmas 10 years ago with what I've got um and that was you know being diagnosed in sort of september i would have had months and that's 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 what the doctor told me nowadays it's it's thanks to prostate cancer uk and um you know all the other people that go out there and raise money for different different charities that that there is you know results being seen in it and and people do you know, you go on um, the Samaritans or you go, no, not not necessarily the Samaritans, but like Macmillan, if you go on any the of their websites and you look at their fundraising, there's an awful lot of negativity that people put on there, which is a real shame because they, they thought they just think that millions and millions are pumped into it, but we can't cure cancer. But they are doing a lot to it. And um, I don't think until you get it, you realise how much work is going on in the background and how much you're benefiting it benefiting from it so when my drug that i'm on at the moment decides not to work anymore because this cancer is a very powerful one then i've then got the opportunity to move on to something else terry and if it wasn't for these kind of events you know we're we're aiming to raise um you know i was talking to graham the other day you know we can raise five grand Um, that's an awful lot of money but if these if you times that by a hundred that are going on every day and a thousand or a million a year, you're talking big money. Um, and this is where it's going to help people like me right now, but also in the future for me, and also for people unfortunately they are going to get prostate cancer. Um, those drugs are out there now to help them. And it is purely because of what we do,
1: you know. So uh what day is the walk? It's um it's on April the 30th and how can people donate
0: um we've got a just giving page which is like a team page you can donate individually to each each member um i can give you that after uh i think it's called walking for woody or walking with woody uh that graham sent up and then we all set up an individual fundraising uh, page i think there's about 10 of us at the moment in the team and um i think anyone wants to come along and and, and just uh go for a walk with us they don't have to do the whole thing. Um, they can come and say hello to me and, and the other guys. I think the more that the more they will, that's there, the more inspiring it'll be. And we're doing it for a damn good cause, and that's the main thing, you know. They can they can you know every penny that someone you know anyone that's looking at this, you know, if you donate one lesson, um, of, of your of your um, you know from your, your driving instruction that will make a massive, massive difference and will go a long way. You
1: yeah. Know. Um, well, anyone listening to this, uh, as this is released, you've got about 20 days to donate, you've got 20 days to contribute, or at the very least, send some well wishes, which I'm sure are always warmly received. Uh, there will be a link for that just giving page in the show notes, and you'll also find it on the instructor podcast website as well. But yeah, I I don't think there's a lot more. To, is there anything else you would like to talk around um, the, what we've been talking about so far? Anything you want to add to that? I,
0: I, I just think that, that people um, shouldn't be so scared, you know, because like, like everyone's terrified of this. Um, and, and look at me, I'm back to work. And, uh, and I know I'm lucky and I'm fortunate, but, you know, you just don't, you know, live your life. Don't be scared of, of what could happen. Um, But the more you get frightened about something, the more likely it is you're going to get something. You know, you do attract, you do attract it to you, um, these things. So, yeah, that's my main message is, you know, just um, enjoy your life, get out there and live it as best you can. Um, My main things that I, the three things that I was looking at at the beginning were um, that I was going to be kind and positive and grateful. And those three things, those three powerful emotions have done me really well. Um, and if I can spread a bit of that and people, you know, it's like kindness. Every time you, you do something kind for someone, you use that old um, analogy. It's like throwing a pebble into a, into a steel pond and you the ripple effect from that spreads out from the centre. And it really is true. Um, and that's what I stand
1: by. It's a, I think it's a good thing to stand by. There's a lot of negativity in the world. There's a lot of unpleasantness. Yeah. And I think the more that we can just be nice, I think the better. But yeah. you also mentioned there about going back to work. So it is something I, I just want to speak to you a little bit about as well, because you're clearly – I mean, you the, 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 the inspiring thing for me from talking to you is that you're not letting – Essentially, you're not letting. uh, Obviously, I'm still reluctant to say it. (laughs) You're not letting cancer define who you are and what you do. Um, So, we're going back to work and the the blue light trading. How did that feel going back to work? Um, Well, the first job
0: I did, I'd like to start. I mean, I don't need my boss to look at this, but he knows how grateful I am to him because he's believed in me from the start and been very supportive. Um. And my first job that, that, that going back, because I used to travel all over the country, so very luckily the first job I had is five minutes from my front door, um, which I've never done before, never had a job so close to where I live, which is really ironic really because, uh, um, you know, I, I'm thinking, right, I'm going to go back to work. You're me to go back to work, but am I going to be able to deal with the travel? <laughs> um, and I go out the house, I get in the car. I drive up one junction on the motorway and I'm there. Um, and as I drive up that that first day, uh, I just had a big smile on my face, um, Terry, and this feeling that, that that was just amazing. It was just an amazing feeling. I mean, you know, most people moan about going to work. Most people get up in the morning and, uh, and treat work as a kind of a bad thing, you know. Um and it was like christmas for me it was, it really was uh, i was smiling on the way up there um and i jumped into it like i would never been out of it that's the funny thing about it, it was really strange because i haven't i hadn't done anything for seven months how am i gonna how am i gonna deal with it and it was like i it was like i hadn't had that time out it was just straight back into it which is uh which was fantastic and uh of course uh, i've got this extra impetus to to really help people in in this course that I do, um, so it's a four week course that the students do, not I do, but I, I deliver, um, and I can use now my own experience, my life experience even further to help them because you know you get a few of them that are really struggling with other things in life, and um, that's something I can help with, um, not just the driver training, but it is brilliant to be back it? and and. I think I've been very lucky in the fact that, that I've not felt any real bad side effects from it. You know, sitting in the ambulance has been great. I've got a brace that I wear. Um, it's a maternity brace. <laughs> I might as well mention that. Um, I'm, I'm doing hormone therapy, so I've also got a bit of man boobs going on as well, moobs. So now with the, the, the maternity brace, I'm getting the full, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm getting the full, full kit now. Um, but it's, it's been really good and, um, I've just enjoyed it so much. I mean, I'm sitting in the ambulance and I haven't done any blue lights yet because, um, I've done two weeks on one course and then they are having a month off and then I'm going back to them, um, in two weeks time to start their blue light section. And the other course I'm doing, which is, um, one I want to mention is, Really ironic because it was the last course I'd done last year before I stopped for before the pain was too bad. Was in Guildford, which is a fair old travel, and um, that's about an hour and fifteen minutes from my front door. And I was determined to do that, and I I, I really didn't have any side effects from the travel. So um, on Monday we start again on um, back in Guildford, and they go on blue lights that week. So I'm really, really looking forward to going back onto the blue light section of. of the driver training, you know, with no fears, no no worries about it. I know I'm just going to jump straight into it and and uh, and carry on like I did with the uh, normal driving. So that's been good.
1: I'm sort of quite ignorant about this. Maybe ignorance is wrong word. Naive. I don't know. Um, I have no idea what entails. What's entailed in blue light trading. So what what does that entail? That that course? It's
0: a four week course, as I, I mentioned. Um, it's a in general, you're looking at um, – it depends on where you work and how much you do on each section. But, for instance, if I'm in a private company, I usually work two weeks uh, just delivering normal driver training. So we're looking at working towards the standards of row crop, um, which is the police instructor handbook, and another book called DTAG, which is the driver training ambulance guide, um, which is like the Bible to the students, really. And um, we look at trying to in that two weeks to bring the driving up to a standard, which is uh, smooth, safe. Um, And we put put a real emphasis on smoothness in driving. Um, And actually it's really good because the experience I I had in hospital um, meant that every day while I was doing radiation therapy, they were um, taking me from one hospital to another. And um, what is quite funny about that is the company that were taking me from uh, Maidstone to Junningham, I'd done their blue light training for. <laughs> um, so these guys were coming up. Um, I didn't actually meet any of the, the actual students I trained on blue light. They are out doing blue light jobs. Um, so there's a difference. is PTS, which is the patient transfer service, which basically um, you carry people from door to hospital. And um, that's what they were doing. And I was their patient. So I was actually seeing it from the other side. Yeah. Uh, they were also very good because they knew I was a driving truck. <laughs> <laughs> Um and, and, and that was – now I'm teaching. I'm teaching it from the view that I've been there. Look, guys, I know how it feels in the back. I know exactly what a bad gear change can feel like. I know that if you're changing up and down the gears, which, of course, people do – you know the more gear changes to make the more bumps you feel in the back um and i've been through all that as, as as a patient and now sitting in the front i i do feel everything through my back um you know so i am i am the uh in some ways the worst person they can have sitting there and the best person they can have um sitting there and then we so we do that for two weeks we look at really building up their, their, their awareness skills their anticipation skills, you know, their key skills of being, um, um, you know, able to sort of blend seamlessly into traffic, you know, without causing anyone, uh, you know, to, to move out of the way, slow down stop, or swerve or anything like that. And then we'll just carry that into blue lights. It's, it's not a lot of difference. It's just different position on the road. Um, obviously the speeds are quicker, but, uh, not massively quicker because we're, only, we're in an ambulance. We don't throw it around, again, because of patient comfort. Um, but it's teaching them, you know, speed is not the main thing. It's actually the, the, the way you hold back can actually get you through something a lot quicker than driving too fast into a situation. Um, and that's what we try and pass on to our students. Uh, unfortunately, we do see bad examples on the road with ambulance drivers trying to force their way through everything and bullying their way through. Uh, traffic you know occasionally you see that and it's good learning points for the students you know to say look they're not going to get very far like that um but when you actually hold back let the traffic settle down that's the aim of what we're trying to do we're trying to encourage people you know give people time to get out of our way and we'll make our way through traffic um it's a fantastic experience doing it fantastic
1: i think i'm interested uh, with this question as well so I'm obviously as a driver, driver, I'm on the road a lot. So I see a lot of flashing blue lights and I see how drivers handle those flashing route lights. You know, the people that they'll run the red lights or they'll just switch over into the wrong lane randomly and that sort of stuff. So I'll just be intrigued to, for someone that trains sort of blue light driving, I'll be intrigued to hear your thoughts on on what you see drivers doing wrong and um, what advice you would give to drivers if you're driving and you see those, those blue lights behind you. Um, yeah, sure, Terry. I, I, I think um, one thing we have to get clear to our
0: students as an ambulance. Now, can you hear it <laughs> in the background? Um, is that um, that the, the people out there on the road are, 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 are genuinely trying to help? They love us. I mean, there is that we do have that thing. The police don't quite have the same popularity, unfortunately. They do an amazing job, but they don't get the same the same. Uh, response and uh, i try to tell my students that you, you know you don't personalize anything anything that happens on the road is mainly because people are panicking because they don't really know what to do so this is a very very valid um point now um if you do have an ambulance that's, that's following you you've got to keep yourself safe this is the you know don't go through red lights because you're breaking the law you know and if you have an accident you've slowed that you've stopped that ambulance doing what it's doing because it has to attend whatever happens so if an ambulance is struck by something it clips a wing mirror off a car or causes an accident just because it's there then by law it has to stop so it's now got to pass that job on to someone else which means that whatever it's going to is now going to have to wait okay so they're not doing them any favors by trying to do things like that so we, we just ask people to just be sensible um to, to pull over if you can but you know make sure you're not pulling over in a place where we can't overtake you um i think the classic one there is the solid white lines uh, most people uh i know even instructors don't answer, don't even realize that we're not allowed to overtake moving vehicles on solid white lines um, so what we want you to do is keep going so if you're driving along at 25 miles an hour with the solid white line that's on your side of the road in the center of the road we can't do anything about it we just got to follow you at 25 miles an hour so if you get you know if it's a national speed limit and you get up to 50 we're doing fine but if you start slowing down um we can only overtake you if you physically stop that vehicle so if it's rolling along we can't overtake you uh and i think that's a big message because most people you know we, we i've even had instructors winding the window down and, and you can see that they've got the arm out the window tending to overtake. We can't do it because we're, we're breaking our law as well. It's the same law as you have. As any driver, the solid white line law is the same in the highway code to it. drivers, police are drivers, fire drivers, as any other driver.
1: Would, um, would that apply then to uh, bus lanes? So if you've got a bus lane in operation, so I would be driving next to that lane. Would you want us to move into the bus lane, which obviously we shouldn't do, or would you want to stay where we are? And would you be able to move into the bus lane as an ambulance, or would you have to wait behind? We can, um, on an emergency
0: response, move into a bus lane. Right. Um, In almost all cases, there are, I believe, one or two areas where you can't. So it's a local, it's not um, what's known as a, um, a general exemption, it's a local exemption, so it has to be given by the local authority. So, so like for instance if i'm training in london we can use the bus lanes in london um whether that works any better it doesn't <laughs> and most of the times you end up just getting stuck there and you're better off going on other side of the road um but yeah we we don't want people to break the law so if you move into a bus lane you are technically breaking the law um and if you do get flashed there's not a lot you can do about it you know unfortunately you're doing the best that you think you're doing um but just stand still in a
1: place we can get, get around you. And we
0: and generally everything's okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, right. Well, throughout today, you have uh, spoken several times about gratitude and feeling grateful. And today I am very grateful for you joining me. Um, do you want to take a moment to, uh, tell people where they can find you and, and let anyone know anything else or promote anything?
0: Um, well, I've got, a, the blog is, um, living with my cancer.org. um, so if you want to follow the blog, then, then you'll find me on there. Like I say, I've done today ninety it's the ninety-fifth uh, blog. Um which when I first started writing them, I had no idea that they would, you know, go that far. The just giving page I, I can't give you directly, uh, but you could put a link on here will be, yeah. be you know, I'd be ever so grateful for that. Because I think that that event and and again if anyone wants to come along, they can give me a message. Because obviously just turning up in London is not quite <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> we could be at some point as the monopoly board that you're not. <laughs> so, we, you know, we're all going to meet up at a certain point um, to do the walk. Um, yeah, that's it really. I don't really have a, a, a website per se. Um, it, you know, it's just, just keeping that blog going um, and, and just be – yeah, if anyone does read the blog, it, it, I'd love to see what their comments are as well. Um, I, I like feedback from people and that's really nice. If anyone does do that, that would be really, really nice for me to read um, <laughs> as long as it's positive, uh, of course. Um, then that's all I could ask for. Really, you know. But yeah, if anyone could help our cause, donate for the uh, the Prostate Cancer UK, um, you know, that you're doing a great thing if you yes. do that. You're doing a fantastic thing.
1: The, yeah, the link for the blog and the, uh, the Just Giving page will be in the show notes. It'll also be on the website and it'll be plastered all over my social media as well when this episode gets released. Okay. Uh, we'll see if it can help a little bit there. Any any uh, final messages or words for the listeners? Well, I think I think I have to say thank you to you, um, Terry. I'm very grateful
0: for the opportunity to do this um, because I didn't know, you know, how, how it would be, um, but I think it, I, I feel very relaxed about it and, um and i hope the message gets out there to the listeners you know to you know that that main thing about about cancer um you know not to fear it but to, to take it if you do get it you've got to take it on but you've got to live your life um yeah. but you know the main message is guys you know to get that test to you know if, if you this could start an avalanche really if, you know the, the domino effect could be amazing if, if you. If you take that test and you tell one other person, and that person, and tell that person to tell someone else, that they they estimate fourteen thousand guys have have missed the test during COVID. The NHS are trying to catch that. You know, obviously, I was one of those. Um, Now's the chance to to, to spread the word. You know, get it, get it out there, Um, because you could potentially be saving someone's life. Um, and, And I try to tell. You know, everyone I meet, you know, I don't obviously start talking about cancer straight away, but <laughs> yeah. if I meet someone and I'm talking about life and we get around to this and they're at that age, I would say to them, you know, do you know you need to take one of these tests? Um, even the builders that were around recently, I told them, <laughs> you know, lads, come on. <laughs> um, because you are potentially saving their life and you're potentially stopping someone going through this, um, you know, for this, um, this disease. Um, Terry. So yeah, that's, that that I'm most grateful that I can come on here and say that, um, but even more grateful if everyone actions it and does it would be incredible.
1: And and like you said, even if it only impacts one person, you still, uh, sorry, even if only one person takes action, you've still impacted one person and you can only do what you can do. And um, part of what we can do is put the message out there. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm forty this year, so I'm maybe not quite to that age yet. But it's You're something, right, <laughs> it's something I need to be aware of, you know. And, and for me personally, I'm as I get older, you know, I'm in sort of middle age now. I am starting to feel more creaks and and you know yeah, yeah. clicks in certain places. So. And, and, and as driving instructors, you know, one of the taglines for the show when I first started was talking about your health, self and wealth. And it definitely comes under that bracket. So, so, yeah, yeah really, really appreciate you taking time to talk to us today, Woody. Uh, very much appreciate. And yeah, hope everyone, hope it goes well on the, the 30th and I hope that you raise a lot of money. Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate that. So big thank you for Woody for joining me today. It's a, a really important episode. It was it was awkward at times for me. It's not something I'm used to talking about. You could probably tell during the episode that I wasn't perhaps as fluent as as you as you want. But you know, hopefully uh, Woody uh, found it beneficial, got his point across, and and please make sure you go and go and donate. If every driving instructor in the UK was to donate a pound would probably get nearly forty thousand pounds now obviously that's not going to happen every driving driver shuttle isn't going to hear this and see all the, the stuff but it's quite interesting to think about if everyone donated a pound how much we could actually raise but either way you can find the links in the show notes you'll find it on the website as well so yeah just take a moment to go and at least consider or offer some well wishes to woody but I did say that I was sort of debuting a new regular feature that is Terry's Tips, which is where every episode, every instructor Podcast episode, I will be giving you, it could be a recommendation or a suggestion around something or or whatever. So today's is the first one, and it's about how to use links in your Facebook posts. Now, I see a lot of people post online and they will share links to LinkedIn pages or or blogs or, or, or whatever. And those links actually stifle the reach of the Facebook post because if you were to go and put a link into, let's say, a YouTube channel, that's taking you away from Facebook. So when you write your Facebook post and there's a link to YouTube, anyone that clicks on that link will be directed away from Facebook. So Facebook doesn't like this. They don't like it because they want you to stay on Facebook as long as possible. So when you're putting links up, Facebook will naturally stifle the reach of that a little bit. So I would suggest putting your links in the comments. So do exactly the same post you've done. Put a nice, lovely image up of, of whatever image you want to put up. And then the link, so whether it's for your driving school website or a YouTube channel or, or whatever it might be, put that link as the first comment because that actually helps the reach of the post in that it's not stifled anymore. So, yeah, hope that you find that little tip useful. I am going to be throwing stuff like this out every week now, so make sure I hang about to the end of every podcast when I will offer you Terry's tips. And if you want more Terry's tips, if you want more Terry goodness, be sure to check out our premium content. Head over to the instructorpodcast.com website. You can find loads of stuff out there, and as always, you can find the links in the show notes. But for now, I'm going to wish you a very wonderful day, and thanks for listening.